Let me uh, explain a few things uh, before we begin our study today. In your bulletins, there was a map. If you were here last week uh, when I was doing a, a study on Psalm 83, I mentioned I would have a map available, and uh, that uh, map is in your bulletins, and it outlines the, 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 uh, the nations that are mentioned in uh, Psalm 83, verses 1 through 5. Uh, we studied 1 through 8 last week. I was so excited about that, I, I said, you know, that this week we'd be getting into Psalm 83 and finish it, but I forgot we have the baccalaureate service today. So you'll have to bear with me, forgive me, don't throw anything at me, but I will finish Psalm 83 next week. But you got the map. Now, if you weren't here uh, and you, you, you want to get caught up, just go to live stream on your computers and watch last week's study from Sunday morning. Both Sunday mornings were on Psalm 83, so whichever one you bring up. But there's the map. That gives you a little bit of an indication of what we are. Now, I also want to talk a little bit uh, next time as well, or next week, about the various views that people have. And I mentioned one last week of Psalm 83, and that is that, uh, you know, some believe it's already passed a long time ago, back in the time of Jehoshaphat. But, you know, we can talk about, the, you know, why it's not that. Others believe that it was very recently fulfilled, and I'll give you reasons why I don't believe that that's the case. In, in, in. So I just want to make very clear why we're studying that. And, and the, re, the main reason is because this coming Wednesday night, we're going to begin our study in Ezekiel chapter 38. And these are very critical chapters dealing with the, um, the level or the tiers of nations that are against Israel today. Those nations are, uh, you know, there's a, 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 a first tier, which are the ones in Psalm 83. The second tier are in Psalm 80, Psalm, uh, I'm sorry, Ezekiel 38. And so there are a lot of other nations mentioned. I want to be able to clarify all of these things. Uh, I believe that we need to study Psalm, or, well, Psalm 83 for sure, but Ezekiel 38 and 39 very carefully because we are living in the days of, of that particular uh, event happening and it could happen in, in our day in our lifetime because of the way the nations are already uh, forming so uh, I would encourage you if you haven't been with us on Wednesday night don't don't say well I I've missed so much no this is something that I think you would be very uh, interested in, in in finding out about so come on Wednesday night at seven very good since we have the baccalaureate service at the 11 o'clock service, and normally I have a message for them, I always use those of you who come to first service as my uh, testers here. So. But, it, but in fact, it, it really is a message for all of us. It's, it's a message for all of us to know what is happening in the world today and how we need to stay faithful to God, to Jesus Christ, to his word and uh, to uh, the message of the end times because uh, prophetically we are seeing so much of that already setting itself up for the return of Jesus Christ. So I'd like to have you turn with me to Romans chapter 1 and I want you to take note of the title of the message. I'll tell you that it's a short 
It's a short title. I'll, I'll give you the long title later. But I want you to take note of two words, stealing and stealing. They're spelled differently, and that's part of the reason for this message today. In Romans chapter 1, Paul in verse 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek or the Gentile. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold or suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. There is never a time that we are no longer students of some kind of discipline in life. There is never a time that we aren't in some sort of school, per se. As Christians, believers in and followers of Jesus Christ, we are in many schools in this life. For instance, we should always remain in the school of prayer. We are ever learning what it means to stay in communion with God through prayer. We are always to be students of God's word, and especially in these last days, the school of prophecy. I mentioned last week that uh, there, there are those who are called experts or, or prophecy experts but in fact, we're all just prophecy students. We're learning and have been learning. What is going on in the world today is affecting all of our lives because the scriptures teach us that these things were bound to happen. So stay in the school of God's word and especially the school of prophecy. We should always be enrolled in the school of faith trusting and depending wholeheartedly in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we should always remember, for better or worse, that we are in the school 
of patient endurance, sometimes known as the school of suffering and affliction. It is in those things that we learn much about the love of Christ and the love of God. There is always something that we can learn, but in the Christian life there are things that we must learn. We must learn that there are consequences for the choices that we make and that we should take responsibility for those choices, knowing that what we choose affects not only ourselves but others as well. And I don't mean to tell you that we need to take responsibility, responsibility like, like uh, Kathy Griffin took responsibility for that awful thing that she did. If, if you haven't heard about it, uh, you know, this comedian who actually has uh, been fired from CNN, uh, you know, held up a, a, a mock uh, severed head of the president, a bloodied head. Then she comes out to say that she was sorry for doing it, but then she blames everybody else and the president himself for her, for her predicament. That's not taking responsibility. So I'm giving you a little understanding of what it doesn't mean to take responsibility. How many of you know what I was talking about? Okay. I'm not going to ask you if you didn't know, because if you didn't know, you should, be, you, you should know these things. We're supposed to be watching, see what's going on in the world. So we know then that what we choose affects not only ourselves, but others as well. The choices you make now as they pertain to your whole life, your body, your soul, your spirit, will affect you for eternity. We need to know that. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the Lord God of Israel, not long after he delivered the children of Israel from the bondage of Pharaoh, and Egypt, and after giving them his law and commandments and statutes, statutes, told them this in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 15 through 20. And I would really encourage you to go to Deuteronomy 30 and mark these verses down in your Bibles. The Lord said, See, I have set before thee this day life and good, and death and evil. You all see the. You all see the the contrast, I have said before you life and good, death and evil, in that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that thou mayest live and multiply. And the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land whither thou goest to possess it. But, and notice this, but if thine heart turn away. Now that's a choice you make. If thine heart turn away so that, you will, so that thou will not hear, that's a choice. Will not means you have chosen not to by your will, but shall be drawn away and worship other gods, which is a choice, and serve them. I denounce unto you this day that you shall surely perish. Do you see the consequence of those choices? You shall surely perish in that you shall not prolong your days upon the land whither thou passest over Jordan to go to possess it. They would certainly learn that lesson corporately over the many years that God has had sought to 
take hold of their hearts. Do you, do you notice that he didn't make them robots? But he gave them a choice. Then he says in verse 19, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. God is saying, let me help you here. Choose life. That both thou and thy seed may live. That's a good choice to make if you want to live. That thou mayest love the Lord thy God, that's a choice. And that thou mayest obey his voice. And that thou mayest cleave unto him, for he is thy life and the length of thy days. That thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. We have all of those options laid before us today. Life or death, good or evil. And because God so loved the world, he said, choose life. Because in choosing life, there's blessing. And in so choosing blessing, you have chosen then to obey and to love and to serve your Lord, your God. You see, the world that we live in is a very, very dangerous place, and it's getting more dangerous every day. In fact, the Apostle Paul, in describing the times we are living in today, foreseen through the wisdom and the foreknowledge of God and his Holy Spirit, wrote this in 2 Timothy. I know I say, I, 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 I pound these verses with you, but I'm not, uh, I'm not apologizing. I want to make sure you know what I'm talking about. He says this, Know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, which means unloving and heartless. Look at all of the destruction and chaos and terror that's going on in the world today because hearts are, 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 are dead and unloving. Truce breakers, unforgiving, false accusers, incontinent, which means without self-control, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such. Turn away. I mean, if that doesn't describe our world today, I don't know what would. But Paul had given an earlier warning to Timothy, his son in the faith, who was a very young pastor in Ephesus at the time. And he received this letter from Paul in 1 Timothy 4, verses 1 through 3, where it says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times, last days, latter times, we're living in them. Some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils 
I hate to say it, but that's happening in the church today. Primarily because they have chosen to depart from the true faith and believe the lies of the enemy. And so Paul says very clearly, giving heed to seducing spirits. Things that never will line up with the word of God. They, they, they go toward those things. And the best way then to, to justify it is to put the word of God aside. If you put the word of God aside, it's like sticking your head in the sand and saying, you know, all these things that are happening in the world really aren't happening because my head's in the sand and I don't see them. And if I don't see them, then they're not happening. Seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And it, it makes me ask the question, where is holiness in the church anymore? Where's devotion to God anymore? Where's devotion to his word anymore? And we're not talking about doctrines of devils where we see, you know, some being with horns and a long tail and a pitch fork. Then he says in verse 2, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. You know, it's like taking a branding iron and, 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 and sticking it onto, you know, onto the hide of, a, of, a, of an animal to, to brand them. Yeah, the, 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 the initial brand hurts, but you know, after a while, it cauterizes that area to where the, the flesh and the nerves and everything is beyond feeling. Cannot feel. And their consciences, when they get away from the love and mercy and grace and truth of the Lord Jesus Christ, becomes that way. Paul is describing this of our time. The next verse says, Forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats, which God has created to be received with thanksgiving of them, which believe and know the truth. But I, I share this because one of, the, one of my greatest concerns for young people today who must face the necessity of public education and then be exposed to the unrelenting anti-Christ and anti-God sentiments of some university professors who have made it their mission in life to attack, to malign maliciously, to mock and to slander anyone and anything pertaining to Christianity is what becomes of them because of this malignity. That's my concern. If indeed their consciences become seared as with a hot iron, in other words, their minds become cauterized, and it's interesting that the word seared in, in the Greek is really the, 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 uh, the word from which we get cauterized. But their minds become cauterized and they are beyond feeling. They, they would then be, because of that condition, they would then be ready to do Satan's will and not the Lord's will. Easy to be beyond feeling and not have discernment of what is around them. Easy to begin to believe what anybody tells you. And if somebody tells you a lie long enough, they'll begin to believe it themselves and they'll want you to believe it. That's what we see happening in our news media today. That's what we see happening in our political uh, uh, environment today. Whatever happened to rational argument, rational discussion, 
Rationality has gone out the window. It's gone. We live in a country filled with hate for truth. This happened long ago. And surprisingly, it happened in a much more quote-unquote perfect environment. It's the very basis for the lie that Paul talked about in Romans 1.25. It's Genesis 3 verses 1 through 5, where the lie began on this earth. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, has God said? Did God really say the things that he said to you? Did he really say them? You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is, the, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. For God does know that in the day that you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Three things Satan through the serpent said. He threw doubt, denial, and delusion. Doubt. Did God really say that? Denial. You shall not surely die. And delusion or deception. You shall be as gods. The three things we saw Satan the serpent use in the garden and now we see used throughout the modern world as well. Doubt, denial, and delusion. Interesting to ask the question, where's Adam in all this? Where's the man? You see, here's where the subtlety of Satan comes. He went to the woman. Satan didn't and couldn't have deceived the man because God had given all the commandment to the man, Adam. Satan used the woman. It was the woman who convinced Adam to eat of that tree, to eat of the fruit of that tree. Those are the subtleties today that Satan uses against God's people. And to keep blind those that don't know the truth about Jesus Christ. So beware of those who would try to persuade you to doubt that there ever was a God who created the heavens and the earth and, uh, by the word of his power. Beware of those who would cause you to doubt or persuade you to doubt. Beware of those who would subtly try to get you to deny the word of God, especially that which relates to the judgments that would befall those who do not choose life in and with God and Jesus Christ. That's one of my greatest concerns for, for our young people that are graduating from high school today and going on into, into higher education, as they call it. I'm beginning to believe it's lower education. When they don't let you think for yourself. 
And then beware of the delusion that says that you can become as God himself and do so in your power and intellect. There is no God, therefore you don't need a God, therefore you are God, and then you can become whatever you want to be. So it doesn't necessarily have to come through some new age thing or new age religion. It can just come from the very depth of, 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 uh, of humanity. Because if you remember the three things that we're told by John the Apostle in his first letter, the world, the flesh, and the devil, those are the three things that are attacking us each and every day. The world and the devil we see around us, but what about the flesh, you see? Sometimes we don't put an emphasis on that. So beware of that delusion uh, because, you know, Satan is certainly trying to get you to take your eyes off of God and, and not put so much your eyes on him, but on yourself. He tries that all the time. Tries it himself. 2 Corinthians 11, verses 13 through 15, Paul says, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers. Notice, deceitful workers transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ, and no marvel for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. And therefore it is no great thing if he ministers also, if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. I, I am also burdened by so many people who like to watch televangelists and say, you know, well, I send my money to them because they said if I send my money to them that I'm going to be blessed hundredfold. And uh, even though I haven't yet seen that happen, but I guess sometime one of these days it will before I die. You think so? There may be one out of a thousand that just so happens to get some kind of a blessing because, you know, God would want to bless them. But the lies are still there. And people are being deceived right and left. One thing that certainly reminds us that we are living in, more, in, in, living in dangerous times and that, that these times may just in fact be the latter days spoken of in the Bible is the word that Jesus gave to his disciples as he was preparing to go to the cross for the sins of men. And I'll do this very quickly because, again, this is a passage that we have looked at, especially last year, in 2016, along with 2 Timothy chapter 3, that was to awaken you about the deception that is taking place in the last days. Matthew 24, <clears throat> very quickly, verses 4 and 5, Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Why are many being deceived? Because their, their hearts are not choosing life. They're not choosing good. They're not choosing the Lord. They're not choosing the word. They're not choosing to stand upon the word. They're not choosing to read the word. They're not choosing to trust in God's word. They'll be, they'll be deceived. Matthew 24 verses 11 through 13. Jesus said, and many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold, which means that you know, the love of many will just grow cold. There's so much coldness today in the world because of lawlessness. Lawlessness is abounding today. 
But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And then verse 24 of Matthew 24, For there shall arise false Christ and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. If it were possible. In a word, deception. Deception marks out the days and times in which we live. It is called a lie, as we read it in verse 25 of chapter 1 of Romans. It is called a lie, or more accurately, the lie. The lie. That same lie told in the garden to Adam and Eve. Did God really say, you shall not certainly die, you shall be as God's. And once again, the Apostle Paul, in writing concerning the latter days, uses that phrase in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 8-12, through 12, where he says, And then shall that wicked be revealed, speaking of the Antichrist, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. So anybody who is Antichrist or will be an Antichrist will be as much taken care of as the Antichrist will. He'll be destroyed with the brightness of the coming of Jesus Christ. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, that's speaking again of Antichrist, with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion. If you are going to go ahead and reject my truth, and believe the lie, then you will be deceived. The, hard, the hardening of their heart, just as we spoke of a few, couple of weeks ago, that they should believe a lie. And more specifically and literally, the lie. That they, might, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. May I ask you one question? Do you think this is serious? Yeah, I, I wonder why it is that so many people today don't, and, and the ones who, who call themselves Christians are, are not really seeing this as serious. I, I see this as a tremendously serious thing. The title I gave for this message, by the way, Stealing Your Mind or Stealing Your Heart, is, is really a shortened title. The original title for the message is this. You got it? You see it? Is the devil stealing your mind or are you stealing, strengthening your heart in God's word and God's love? That's really the question. Is the devil stealing your mind? Because don't forget what Jesus said. That the enemy has come to, to rob, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And Jesus said, but I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. There's that choice again. Go all the way back to Deuteronomy. What was it? Here's life, here's good, here's death, and here's evil. Choose you this day. If we were to continue the course that the enemy of our souls would want us to take, 
Because he wants us to take his course. It's a deceptive course. It might look good on the outside, but the inside is full of rottenness. But if we were to continue the course that the enemy of our souls would want us to take, it would just be an indication that he is stealing our minds and ultimately our souls, robbing us eventually of all that the Lord said he desired to give us for our good in this life and for eternity. Remember what the Lord told the children of Israel there in Deuteronomy 30. See, I have set thee this day life I have said before thee this day life and good and death and evil in that I command that thee I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God to walk in his ways to keep his commandments and his statutes and judgments that thou mayest live and multiply and the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land whither thou goest to possess it and he also said I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death blessing and cursing Therefore choose life, that both thou and thy seed may live, that thou mayest love the Lord thy God, and that thou mayest obey his voice, and that thou mayest cleave unto him, for he is thy life and the length of thy days, that thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord swear unto the fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. Choose you this day life. Choose to follow the one who gave you life. Choose to live by the life that he has so preciously sacrificed to give us. His very own life. But praise God that when he gave his life, he also had power to rise again. And that's our blessing. We serve a living and true God. Now, toward the end of Joshua's life, Joshua, the servant of Moses, Joshua, who was there to hear God say those words about choosing life, Joshua, the one who was called after Moses uh, had led the children of Israel to the, pro- to, you know, to the border of the promised land, he himself not able to go in, but it was Joshua, the type of Christ, even with the name of Jesus, right? Yeshua, Yehoshua, same name, Yeshua, Jesus, Joshua, God is salvation leads the children into the promised land. So toward the end of Joshua's life, you read this in the book of Joshua, he spoke to those Israelites that were now in the promised land. And you could read all of Joshua 24, but I just want to look at verses 14 and 15 here as we, as we prepare to close. You might think it's kind of early to close. Yeah, don't forget, I'm going to do this. We're going to have a procession with the people coming in and, and give awards and all kinds of stuff. So you get to go home early if you want, I guess. I'm so sorry that the cafe's not open and you could spend some time in there. If you want to stay, it would be nice. Well, let's get to what Joshua said. Okay. I don't know what happened to me there. Little hiccup. 
Joshua 24, verse 14 says, Now therefore fear the Lord. Now this is Joshua saying to the people, all of Israel is gathered to hear him. And he says, Now therefore fear the Lord. What kind of fear? Reverence, respect, worship. Fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood. Which has an implication to it. Some of you are still carrying around the old gods of yesteryear. It's time to put them away. Put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. Joshua says it comes down to that very same choice. What is your choice going to be? Choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the God of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That was his choice. As for me, I choose the Lord. And not just me, me and my house. I'm burdened by something else. I'm burdened by how divided some of our homes are, some of our households can be. The enemy has accomplished some sense of of victory sometimes and the stealing of some minds. But it's time to turn back to God. It's time to go before God for all of your family, for all of your household, that they come to know and love the God that you serve. That it will be their choice to choose Jesus than to choose the world or the flesh or the devil. So, how do we make it then in this world until Jesus comes for his church? How will we make it? And how do we make it? I have three things, but I'm going to give you the scripture first, then I'll give you each point. First of all, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 6 through 10. 2 Timothy 1, 6 through 10. First thing, how do we make it in this world until Jesus comes? Notice what Paul says to Timothy. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance. Now, now Timothy's been serving in, in Ephesus as a pastor for a while, and he's, he's had a rough time of it. Been a tough go as a pastor, a very young pastor, when he started. 
So Paul says to him, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the, put, by the putting on of my hands. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. How do we make it until the coming of Jesus? First of all, Face your fears. Face your fears with the truth which the Lord God has given you. Face your fears with his word and with his spirit. Jesus said to the woman at the well, we worship God and, and those who worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. We are to face our fears. We are not to be ashamed of the gospel. We are not to be ashamed <coughs> excuse me, of the testimony of our Lord. And you will find yourselves challenged almost daily to succumb to the fears of man. Ah, greater is he that is in you. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. Secondly, Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. Paul says, Brethren, I could not, I'm sorry, brethren, I count not myself, to have apprehended. You, you got to understand something. I've got trifocals and my letters on my, on, on my notes here are about this big and I still can't see them. So if I miss seeing you out somewhere, you know, <laughs> yeah, don't, don't be upset with me. <clears throat> Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press, press, hard, agonize hard toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. First, face your fears. Secondly, forget your failures. Forget your failures. We've all had them. Is there anybody here who's never failed at all? Don't raise your hand because I don't want any lightning bolts coming through that ceiling. We've all failed. Some of us would even say that we failed miserably. That even as today, as, as believers in Jesus Christ, we sometimes fail more than we really want to. When I say forget your failures, that doesn't mean to, to treat them lightly. Paul said forgetting what is behind. 
Just remember this, failures are not the end of the world, but the beginning of God's successes in you. We learn from them, and then we press on. Face your fears. Forget your failures. Thirdly, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and and the sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Remember, the starting line and the finish line of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. Face your fears, forget your failures, and thirdly, follow the focal point of your faith. Follow the focal point of your faith, Jesus Christ. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Follow the focal point of your faith. Fix your eyes on Jesus every day. Not just on Sundays and Wednesdays. Every day. Every hour. Every minute. Fix your eyes upon Jesus. Follow him in good times and in bad times. Frequent his throne of grace in prayer, in praise, in worship, and in presenting others to him. We've all been given that calling. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, You are the light of the world. A city set upon a hill cannot be hidden. Don't cover your light, but let your light so shine before men. I asked you earlier if you thought that these things are serious things, and they are, aren't they? You see, they're very serious. Last week when we were talking about uh, President Trump's trip to, uh, to the Middle East and then also to, to Rome and to Belgium, the attack at, at that concert in Manchester took 
all of the news, all the attention was there. But around the same time, Egyptian Coptic Christians were being killed by ISIS. And you didn't hear a peep about it. This is serious. Those are our brothers and sisters who take a stand every day in a country that hates them for the most part. But they stand for Jesus Christ. Will we make that stand in this country? Sometimes it's too easy. A Christian life isn't easy. But it has great reward. Because if all you think about is what you can get in this life, you will become men most miserable, people most miserable. Jesus said, lay up for yourselves, not treasures on earth where, raw, where moth and rust can destroy or where thieves can break in and steal. He said, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust can destroy nor thieves can break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It is about where our heart is today. Choose you this day whom you will serve. You have life and good, death and evil before you. Choose life. And when you choose life, you are choosing Jesus Christ. And if you've never come to the Lord Jesus Christ and you're not sure where you stand eternally, I would just encourage you right now, admit that you're a sinner. Believe with your heart that Jesus Christ died on your behalf. Confess your sins, but also confess Jesus. And as Paul said, when you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is risen from the dead, you shall be saved. Get started there. It's a serious thing. It's just not easy believism, just easy believe and that's all. Say this prayer and you're fine. Do whatever you want the rest of your life. No. Our lives will change dramatically, drastically for some of us. But when we do change, the scripture says, delight thyself in the Lord. Delight thyself in the Lord. Okay, I took up most of that time just so that you wouldn't have to worry about where it be for the next few minutes. Join me in a word of prayer.